you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric B. Addison's. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sweet Victory and Jay Mack are on tap to help us navigate the show today. We are um, having a conversation about um, one year looking back at uh, Roe being overturned. And I just read a few articles that, you know, of course, got me thinking. And I wanted to have this conversation, kind of think this out loud um, with Will the Great and with some of our listeners. We'll open the phone lines in the last segment. And as I was reading some of the information as far as like where we are now in the country, um, the the mindset that has to be changed in this country for people to to return to the biblical authority mm. <laughs> that is uh, life has value and worth. Yes. And that it's intrinsic, that it's not dependent on what that life might turn out to be, that it's, you know, yeah. that because God said and because we are made in his image, life has value and worth and should be protected. Um children have the right to live. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take more than a year post row to change that. So I was looking at, you know, and, and I don't even know that it's possible. You say, um, can we help laws change hearts? Um, I think we can. And I, I think that there are some things that we may be overlooking that we've had this conversation to a certain extent before, but I, I think it's important to go back to it. So I want to share some of these articles because on Saturday there was um, a Women's March Day of Action rally, uh, as you might imagine, lamenting and mourning the overturning of Roe a year ago uh, on, on June 24th. And you would think, <laughs> you know, that um, – and I think in some ways these kinds of rallies – have run out of a little bit of steam. I was encouraged to read that there were, even though it's a lot, there were hundreds of participants who turned out in support of uh, murdering the unborn. Mm. Um, Still, there were not as many as there could have been. And, you know, and I wonder if that is the shift starting to take place. I've got some polling numbers as well that show that the majority of Americans um, believe that there is a point where, babies should be protected. Now, mm-hmm. again, I don't want anybody to hear me saying that before 15 weeks, those babies are not babies or that they don't have worth and value and that their life shouldn't be protected. But I think we, um, as we watch uh, mindset shift, mm-hmm. we need to help that. We need to continue pushing toward why is there value and why is there worth in the lives of the preborn, yeah. and why do we want to continue to to protect them? Um, But then there's also, as we have this conversation, there's one line that continues to come out and it's not in every news story, but it's sort of like the premise of where I think many of us who are in agreement with God 
and we call that pro-life, but we, we are simply agreeing with God mm-hmm. that life has value, it has worth, right. that you can't just take it indiscriminately, that you, you right. can't just take innocent life. So for most of us, I think one of the things that we've said repeatedly is that if you're going to see um, the number of abortions reduced, yes, laws will make that possible, mm-hmm. laws will make that probable, but there are things that need to happen internally. There are things that need to happen spiritually in this country that I think that takes a lot more work. Yeah. You know, and, and it and it's something that has to happen in the body of Christ. Like we have mm. to begin having these honest conversations. And I want to do a little bit of that today. But anyway, what it's what it's called in short is um fostering a culture of life. Like how do we create a culture of life in this country? And I think that's going to take a lot of work because we've had for so long a normalized culture of death. Right. But even before that, I think there began to be a shifting of the value and the worth of children in general, not not to the point of taking those children's lives, mm-hmm. but just what we saw kind of on display in our churches and what we saw represented in our homes. And I want to be very careful as we have this conversation, because I think, you know, it can be very easy for people to who are not guilty of something to hear somebody lamenting something and then they feel the guilt. They're like, but, but I'm not doing that. And so, okay, if, if you're not guilty of this, then don't receive the correction. Like, don't, you know, like don't, don't receive the challenge or the warning. Um, but if we do have these um, mindsets, if we do have these, this way of thinking that is not reconciled to God's word, we have to be honest about that. And we have to be willing to say, man, you know, no, I've not considered having an abortion mm-hmm. or I've, I've not thought that women should have the right to kill babies. Mm-hmm. Man, but if I'm honest, I don't really like them Mm -hmm. like I don't like children I don't I don't think that people should just have children you know what I mean like and and I think in the in the Christian context we don't often well we're unwilling to drill down on that because that thought then becomes that private sacred thought that you get to have and you don't have to explore it you Mm. know what I mean like there are people who are able to safely disdain Mm -hmm. children Mm -hmm. and no one talks about that because they say, Hey, I'm pro-life. I'm pro-life. But they, but, but we have a culture that has been normalized in the church. And that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, We have a culture that's been normalized in the church that um, the worth and the value of children um, is below what I think is biblically prescribed. Yeah way below what I think is biblically prescribed. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk, I even want to talk practically about how we begin to change that. I think the first step, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this too, Will the Great, but I think the first step is doing that that self-examination by way of God's word, like holding ourselves up against the straight edge and saying, do I really believe what I read here about the value of children? Yeah, 100%. That was... is what I was going to say. It, for the believer, we have to start at the straight edge of Scripture. We have to believe uh, passages in, in, in the Scripture, Psalm mm-hmm. 127. Yeah. Do we really believe that children are, you know, a heritage of the Lord? Mm-hmm. And 
you know, children are gifts. Because the thing is, when you're in a culture that has almost trained you otherwise, even yeah. though you haven't, you know, maybe not have uh, submitted to uh, to do exactly what the, the culture says to do, you're still in it. And so you, if you're not careful, the mindsets of that place could get in you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you look around and you're like, man, I don't mm-hmm. think people should have those many kids. Like, oh, man, yep. how do they do that? Yep. That's not seeing it as... The scripture saying in Psalm 127, you know, so if you because if we saw it that way, we'll be like, man, everyone mm-hmm. is a blessing. Right. <laughs> everyone exactly is right. a blessing. Not that this is something that, to stop something that you uh, want to do. Or, you know, mm-hmm. It's a hindrance, you know. Right. And so I think you're right. We have to start at the at the scriptures. Yeah. And I, I think even bringing in um, like being open to have a conversation around what some of our personal experiences may have been that could really get in the way of us submitting to the Lordship of Christ. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is like, like, yes, the Lord is master. Like he is ruler. He, Mm -hmm. he does. And excuse the expression, get to call the shots. Like he does say, and, and, and again, and I was thinking about this just in, in preparing and reading and, and trying to um, be measured and balanced I don't think that the remedy to this is saying um, like, I'm just going to, you know, I want to have 20 kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. I want to have to, I, I really think that what the Lord and in all of it, I mean, this is, this is, this is the thread of the believer, right? That the Lord wants us to submit to him. Mm-hmm. So this, this is us longing for what the Lord desires for us. This is us saying what you say is good yeah. and it's not trying to create something. And I'm thinking, and and part of this, you know, and then I'll backtrack cause I've got a few articles that I want to bring into the discussion. Mm-hmm. But part of this was kind of fueled by my, um, Watching the documentary, uh, what is it, Shiny Happy People? Or is it Happy Shiny People? I think it's Shiny Happy People about the Duggars mm-hmm. and um, the the movement that they were, the Gothard movement that they mm-hmm. were a part of. Mm-hmm. So much of that I, I was unaware of. I didn't yeah. I didn't know. Um, but I think even in that, it's not, my, my point is this, it is not an invitation to return to legalism right? that now, okay, I'm right with God because I am producing this many kids. I think it is, it is yielding to the Lord and saying that what he says is good and right and true. Right. And I've, I've talked a little bit about this here and there. Um, I've written about it uh, being very vulnerable and very honest when the Lord confronted me with my own sin mm-hmm. in the way that I saw children and and I think even in that, like, you know, it, that's like a mouthful, right? To say it's sin mm-hmm. to have a divergent view from what God says about children. Yes, it is sin. And mm. and I think that's something that like we are like, no, isn't it just preference? Mm. It, isn't it just like, isn't it, isn't it, is that a gray area? That's not, a, that's not a black or white, is it? Like that's a, no, it's like, what does God say? Like, does, does he say that children are a blessing? So then we don't get to rewrite that. We don't get to right. say that, no, we, we don't have to see it that way now. I think to be yielded to the Lord mm-hmm. and to to want and to desire what God wants, I think people try to measure that by like um, a, visu- a visible, tangible output. Mm-hmm. So if a person has six kids, I'm going to use us as an example. Mm-hmm. We have six, right? Okay. If a person has six kids, <laughs> <laughs> if a person has six kids, um, then they must be totally yielded to the Lord. That could also just mean that they're incredibly fertile. Mm. 
mm-hmm. because the Lord is after the heart after and, the and heart. in the body of That's Christ, right. what the Lord wants, because listen, I at having, we had three kids mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm totally yielded to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like the kids just kept coming. Like, and it was <laughs> like, oh my goodness, like another kid, another kid. But, it, <laughs> but the heart was not connected to that these children are a blessing from the Lord and that they have been entrusted to us, that the Lord has a plan and a purpose for them yeah. and that there should be a, a loving acceptance and a yeah. joyful welcoming of these kids. And, and I think a lot of times we as Christians get to hide behind being fertile and mm. that that means we agree. Mm. But I think you really test that out and how you you understand what I'm saying. You yeah, really test that out and how you look at other families, how you look at people who have maybe more kids than you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I could look at a family of like seven mm-hmm. or a family of eight or ten and be like, ooh, right. Yeah. Do, do they become less of a blessing? The more you have, you know, like, how do you how do you measure all of this? And I think the yeah. difficult thing for us is to be submitted to the lordship of Christ. It's very easy to be mechanical. Right. You know what I mean? It's very easy to be. We would prefer to be pre-programmed. Right. Right. But I think the difficulty is in the prayerful submission of our lives to the Lord, which includes in, uh, agreement with his. See, and, and that's just it, too. You say prayerful submission. I, I'm not sure how many of us would even want to pray about this. Rather, I think we would have in our mind, OK, this is what I want. This is how mm-hmm. many. And that's it. Or, right. <laughs> you know, like, do we Guilty. even make it a matter yeah. of prayer or is it just like, no, nah, no, it's nah, shut it down. That's, that's yeah. just what I want. And I think if we looked at uh, children as a as a heritage of the Lord, as a gospel yes. issue for Christians, that we're able to pass down the gospel right mm-hmm. in the home. I think we would see it a little bit different because yeah. I. It would be the perp- the purpose is to raise up godly offspring, mm-hmm. godly seed that would be able to be in this land, you know, that we see as being so corrupt in this world, but that we will shoot out as arrows, uh, you know, for the Lord. And so mm-hmm. I think if we saw it that way, yeah. rather than like, oh, another one, another one. Right, right. Then, you know, our mindset would, would change about the children that we have and the ones yeah. that we can potentially have going Man, forward. Man, it's so good. It's so good because, you know, in the midst of these conversations about how we actually proceed to shift culture, how we foster a culture of life, there's the route of political activism and there's the route of social activism. But I really would like for the body of Christ to explore the route of biblical activism like that, that we say, okay, man, how can I actively put in into play um, what God has said? How do I agree with him? And again, I, this, I know this sounds almost counterintuitive. Like maybe I'm, you know, saying maybe it's an oxymoronic conversation to say it doesn't necessarily mean that I have X many of kids. Right. It is a heart change that we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us because we agree that God's word is good. We'll be right back. Your name is stronger than sickness. Oh, you are the strong. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Darius Polk with Strong Name. I, I want to just mention real quick yeah. a, a comment I won't say who because, you know. Okay. <laughs> but 
this person said I had a I had some friends who adopted and I thought uh, they were super Christians. Uh, mm-hmm. They said nope, we just really wanted kids. So he said, so I learned that it's easy to misread the heart and intentions. Mm. And selfishness can still be there, even if it looks selfless on the outside. Oh, and I think that does point to the point. heart condition. Yeah. That that's a perfect example yes, of, of what we're, we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. That God would deal with even that, you know. Mm. And so, yeah, I just thought that was that was a point that was well made. Yeah, it's an excellent point. It's an uh, excellent anecdote to to describe what we're what we're talking about today. Like when when we talk about a post row uh, America and and understanding what that means that that does not mean that every child in America got to live mm-hmm. a year ago on the twenty mm-hmm. fourth. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't mean that right. because we understand that there are states ongoingly in this country that ramped up performing abortions and even saw themselves as sort of like a destination hub for the slaughter of innocents like that. We live, we still live in a nation that has a, a culture of death. It's a culture of death in many ways, but particularly today we're talking about abortion. So those things are not going to change overnight. What I'm suggesting is that we have like a three prong approach. Right. So there is the political activism. There is the social activism, but there is also the biblical activism. And this is the thing that takes place within our church community. This is the thing that takes place among believers. And then the outflow of that is all of the other activity that we do. But let me also say this. I think that when we start talking about what it means to be pro-life, that initial introspection, that initial kind of taking a step back and saying, am I am I really pro-life? Like, Mm -hmm. am I and I don't mean it with the tired trope of like, oh, you're not pro-life. You're just pro-birth. I don't mean that like those. I'm not talking about us latching onto those attacks and then owning that. That's trash. What I'm talking about (laughs) is do we agree with God about the value and the dignity and the worth of life? Yes. Okay. do do we agree? But then also, do we celebrate the value and the worth and the joy of children, not attaching to them a future value, Mm. not attaching to them a value that if we can just grit and get through this, then we're going to get a return on that investment. You know what I mean? If I can just if I can just hunker down and get through the potty training years and get through the writing on the wall and the breaking things. Oh, they break things. They don't care. They break things, you know. If I can get through that, then one day they're going to grow up and and it's like kind of waiting for it to all be worth it. I think these are the subtle ways that we are self-deceived and begin to to put a type of um, value and worth that you won't find in Scripture. Mm. Right. This is why we say things and, and all of these things, I think, in some ways are related. We say things like this person could, could grow up to be the future president. This person could. And so what we are saying, we don't mean to say this, but what we are saying is that the person doesn't have value because the person is made in the image of God. So in similar ways, I think that even in the church, what we we say, OK, yeah, you know, if you want your one point two, you want your OK, two point five. OK, fine, fine. Four. <clears throat> You're stretching me. You're stretching me with four. Five, are you out of your mind? That's it. That You quit. That's it, okay? We're done. You need to be done. And I think part of that is because we've developed a culture of being detached from our children. Mm. Like there's a, there's a normalized culture, even within the church, that kind of chill... <laughs> 
children have their space and parents have their space and never the two shall twain, right? Like they're not going to, we don't want to really be living life together in this abundant community where we benefit from one another. And if I, if I could say something, I think we have missed out on so much in the body of Christ because we have sectioned off, not in ways that God told us to, Mm -hmm. right? Like we just determined because this was kind of what was happening outside of the church, maybe because of school, Mm. we sectioned off and we did it based on age and we found it easier to teach kids. And then we did this in the church. And so, and so now you're missing all of these rich opportunities. Like I, I cannot express enough how much I am challenged and how much I grow in listening to our children ask questions about the truths of God's word and express their understanding and even their lack of understanding Mm -hmm. of what is being communicated. There is such a richness that even, and and I say this, and this is kind of a different conversation and not one that I wanted to have today, but it's related. Mm -hmm. The, the intergenerational um, benefits where you have all of these different age groups that are existing together, where you grow and and learning about how people have uh, walked with the Lord and followed the Lord for a long time. Our kids grow in the same way by observing Mm -hmm. and watching the kinds of conversations, listening to the kinds of conversations that adults are having and wrestling with God's word as it is bringing it back to the point here. We have created a culture where kids are just the people we endure until Mm -hmm. they're like, you know, real people. Yeah. And we don't we we don't we wish that we're not true. But too often we live that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I look, I just want to say this because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm able to read some of the comments, you know, and as people are are, are listening and and this one um, and my heart goes out to say I had a debilitating postpartum depression and I feared getting pregnant again uh, to the point it's now 10 years later. And I pray for God to give me uh, clarity whether to have another and I feel selfish in, in ways, but I'm so scared to go through that darkness again still praying for answers. And I would say continue to pray for answers and don't feel that's one thing you, you, we can look at others and, and feel a sense of comparison or like maybe I, I'm not doing it right or I'm doing, you know, I, I should be doing this. And I just want to encourage that if anyone's out there, other other people listening, you know, that man, God is able. God is able to give the clarity. He's able to give the peace. He's able to give whatever is needed in, in this type of situation. And that is not... And we're we're not saying that you got to have this certain amount of uh, uh, these certain amount of children, you know, but we are saying that we need to trust God. We need to trust God with everything, and, and, you know, even the, the, the children that we have and even in asking him what the, what does he want? You know, and I believe that God is able and willing to give us clarities and, and, and to show us exactly how he want, want us to live. Yeah, I want. This program is very limited in its scope, and I want to be very clear about that. This program is not a everybody run out and fill your quiver program. And I want to make sure that I'm I'm being heard well. This is addressing an issue that is a very specific issue that I'm naming. I'm not naming um, any like medical reasons why people would not have children. I'm not naming any um, adversity that would have been experienced postpartum. I'm, that's, I, that's not what I'm talking about. And I want to be very clear here because what I find is that, and the enemy really likes to work in confusion mm-hmm. to condemn followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, to make them 
um, feel something that they should not feel. Right. Right. So what I am what I'm talking about is very specific and very limited in its scope. And so let me be crystal clear here. I am talking about the willful rejection of what God says is good. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about drawing from the culture that we live in a new um, definition of what is good. And and what I'm saying is that we, as we talk about a culture of life, we've got to reject what has been normalized in the culture mm-hmm. as good, right? And Amen. so this is this is only if I can find a reason to have a certain number of children. This is, oh, I don't know why anybody would do that. This is, oh, you're having another one? Mm, you know what causes right. that? Right. This, this is that yeah. a disdain for children. So mm-hmm. please limit the processing of what I'm saying to this scope because I don't want the enemy to have a field day because then what happens is we don't have to actually wrestle with the actual conversation. Mm. And the actual conversation that I want to have is how do we create a culture of life that is in addition, because I think we have people who are politically active. Even right now, there is a conversation that surrounds the political candidates. Like, okay, so where are they on the issue of life? Like, what kinds of things should we expect of those who represent us in government? What right. kinds of things should right. we push for? This is a great conversation, but can I tell you something? It's an easy one. Yeah. It's an easy one, right? right. Um, the, the social involvement. Okay, we want to continue standing up and saying we're pro-life. Listen to me very carefully and at the risk of... Um, making myself very vulnerable. And and I did it once uh, in writing about this and I've kind of touched on it here and there. Um, But honestly, I don't trust everyone listening to this program with my personal experiences, some of them, you know what I mean? Mm. Because some, some people are prone to take those personal experiences and, and slide little daggers in. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm not here for that. That's not what I'm here for, but I am here to say, listen, there is a reality that in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. we have normalized a rejection of his standard. Like mm-hmm. we have said, yeah. yeah, I know you said that, but I don't really have time for all of that. Like, right. So that's what I'm talking about. When we look at the people who are actively marching, I know that this seems like an easy thing to say about them. But they have believed a lie. Yeah. So they are self-deceived. Mm. What I'm trying to suggest here carefully is that on the pro-life side of things, we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we are not careful, we can also be self-deceived. Like we can, we can have a heart mm. that is not postured before the Lord in a way that says, I agree with you. Mm. I agree mm-hmm. with you. And whatever that means. Now, I here's the thing, because because of um, the number of people listening to this program in real time and mm-hmm. the, the number of people who will listen to this podcast later, there is no way that I can know the varied experiences or the thoughts or the anecdotes that might be attached to the to the conversation. And honestly, I'm I don't want to mime those out. What I want to say is when we get to the place where we agree that life has intrinsic value Mm -hmm. and worth because we are made in the image of God. That's step one. Then I want to go a step further and say, and we also believe that children are a blessing, not just a fact of biology that we endure until we get to the point where they're a blessing. Right. 
Now, why is that important? Because it relates to the first point that they have worth and they have value. This is how, so we had this conversation with our kids. We were talking about euthanasia and talking about like even the question of, well, if somebody is terminally ill, like if they're going to die, do you just, can, can, can we say, well, if they don't want to live anymore, then they should be allowed to just die. Well, they're not a washer. They're not a dryer. They're not an appliance that it's on the fritz. So you just go ahead and pull the plug and then no, the person is made in the image of God. And until natural death, we say this person has worth. This person has value. This person has dignity. What I am suggesting is that part of shifting the culture of life begins in our local congregations. It begins in the way we see children. I have, I have, (laughs) I have been in spaces Okay, and I won't say the space, but I have I have been in in spaces where um, there I was I was (laughs) there was a a woman, an older woman who was walking through and I and another sister. uh, This was several years ago. We were there with our children and one of her children happened to bump into this woman as she was walking And the response was this response, not of like, oh, okay, you know, kids can be kind of clumsy. And I'm not asking for perfection here, but just listen to the anecdote, right? But there was this response of like, ew, get it off me. It's a kid. (laughs) Like, ugh, where's the, (laughs) ugh. Like, and and seriously, and and I and the sister and the Lord turned to each other and were like, wow. Like, it (laughs) it almost seemed as if she were like allergic to kids and now she'd been contaminated, right? Mm. Because kids don't belong here. There are some of us, even in the body of Christ, we have a disdain for children. We we kind of like we don't really want kids in this space. We don't really <laughs> kids don't belong like. Ugh. And and I'm going to tell you, this has led to a, a number of other problems that we are experiencing, that we have a culture who says we advocate for killing them. But we also will take the ones you don't want. Mm. Guys, what I'm <laughs> wow. but God's way is far better. It's far better for us to agree with him and to say not. So we're not, you know, and when I say sharing, sharing spaces with our children, right. I'm not talking about like shoving them into a kangaroo pouch and trying to protect them from all of the world. (laughs) I'm not not talking about get back in your pouch. You know, I'm, I'm talking about this understanding that there is a blessing in the generation's Living together, there was a blessing in the generations worshiping together. And I think back to the early church, and I, I love church history so much. It just shows us what the Lord was doing, what the Lord continues to do um, in preserving the church and, and building the church. But I think about the early church and how before the early church had political rights, <laughs> okay, mm. before the early church had political influence, The church had a fidelity to scripture that led to a social influence. That means that the the church acted on what she said she believed. So when children were born to parents who didn't want them and they were exposed, as it were, or just left out to themselves to just die or be eaten or whatever, the church, members of the church, you understand what I'm talking about? We, the church, went out and grab those kids up before we have like a political definition of what that is before we have a legal definition of what that is we have a biblical conviction that those kids have worth and value mm. even if they have a deformity even if there is a a, a, a biological defect 
those kids have worth and value because they're made in the image of God. What was the effect of that kind of living? The shifting of culture. So what I'm saying is, as we make gains politically, as we have more and more states moving to protect children, as we put our votes where our convictions are, there must also be that shifting in our heart, that biblical conviction that drives the things we do, even on a level that is not yet reached political proportions. And that's the heart level. That's, man, do we really see the value and the worth of children? And should we? We'll take the break and we'll be right back. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't work. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't work. Say no abortion activists gathered in Washington, D.C. on Saturday on the one-year anniversary of the Supreme Court ruling in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization that overturned Roe versus Wade. Quote, without abortion access, women and girls and people who are assigned female at birth. Wow. Without abortion access, women and girls and people who are assigned female at birth, they are going to be dying. Olivia Anderson said at the Women's March Day of Action rally. Anderson, 20, is an intern in D.C. and says she views abortion as being critical to bodily autonomy. Mm. Quote, women have to have this ability to choose in order to fully go forward in life, whether that is choosing to have a child or choosing to not have a child, Anderson told the Daily Signal. Marjorie McKee, 57, traveled from Raleigh, North Carolina to attend the rally because, quote, women have lost rights that I grew up with and it is horrible and we have to reinstate reproductive rights for women, end quote. The rally began outside Union Station before the crowd marched several blocks to the Supreme Court shouting chants such as whose body? Our bodies. And two, four, six, eight, separate the church and state. Quote, I just think this is so important, Angela Corey said. Corey, 75, traveled to D.C. from Boston for the rally because there was no march taking place in her city. Quote, in Massachusetts, we have a governor that's taking care of things as much as possible. But you go down in the South where the people who are the poorest, the least educated, they're the ones who are being affected the most. They're supposed to be so godly, Corey said. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Mm. This is this is what I'm talking about. There is a there's work for us to do that begins. Right. It begins by shifting the culture in our local assemblies, shifting the culture in the church that has made it okay. And I and I will open the phone line so you can talk back like there's I want to I want to hear from you. I think that there is an un um, unexplored. Feeling. That is in the church. We've joked about this. We've talked about this. Um, but I, I think it has a huge I think it has huge bearing on how we are involved, how we how people see things who even are around us, like not necessarily in the church, but how we see things outside of the church. Like if we have those conversations, 888, let me give the number 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. If we have conversations where it enters the conversation that, well, the person might be better off. Well, I mean, 
I just don't. I mean, another like this. The bottom line is this. This is this is what my encouragement is. My encouragement is for us as members of the body of Christ to align our convictions with God's word. It does not mean, and I think this is so important. It does not mean (laughs) that we become like these, um, please excuse, this is going to sound crude. I don't mean it to be, but the baby making factories where we're just like, yeah, more kids, more kids, you know, Mm -hmm. because we're showing that we're pro-life. This means that in our convictions and in our love for children, that we change and align with God's word. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. I think when that begins to change in our church, when that begins to change, when it becomes a part of our culture, then it will spill out into the larger culture. Now, here's what I'm not saying, because I find myself bringing clarity a lot, right? What I'm not saying is that until we get to this hard change, we stop all political activism and all social activism <laughs> and stop talking about being pro-life. The devil is a liar. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that we should have the desire to explore all of the areas that remain in our life that the Lord is not Lord over. Mm. Right. That's difficult work. That's difficult work. And and I think for many of us, it might be very, um, excuse the expression, life giving for people to be privy to that exploration. I have had conversations with sisters in the Lord where I've been able to be very honest about my struggles and about, because I think sometimes people look at our family and they're like, Oh, you guys have six kids. And, 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 Oh, and I really don't like this guys. I really, I'm just complete transparency. I don't like this, that it becomes sort of a badge. Like that's your past. Okay. So you are definitely pro-life. Like, so, so, so the woman who doesn't have kids, she's not pro-life. Like you don't know her story. You don't know why she only has one kid or two kids. You don't know why she doesn't have any kids. You don't know. And so we shouldn't, this is, this is not just the external appearance, right? Where we get to kind of hide behind, uh, the structure of our family. This is about us being open before the Lord for his exploration. It's, it's, it's the Lord's scalpel that we want. It's the fine tuning that we want to come from the Lord where he does an individual work in us, where we submit ourselves to his Lordship. And we say, okay, is there a place in my life where um, I've not submitted myself to you? Is there a place in my life where I have put myself on the throne? Have I orchestrated my family structure? Have I orchestrated, you know, and, and I think as it pertains to kids, that when we make this shift and it kind of like um, like a fire begins to catch on in the church, I think that is going to spill out into the larger culture. I yeah. think that is the way influence works even before the church and the history of the church, even before the church had any kind of political power, the church is powerful. Right. And the church affects culture and changes people one person at a time. And it starts by a genuine conversion and then aligning yourself. Now, the result of that conversion is that we're going to live like we're converted. Right. So that means we're going to live according to the tenets of God's word. And that is going to spill out into the larger culture. And it's going to begin changing the culture even before (laughs) before there's, you know, the political strong arm the culture is going to begin to change. And I think that's the work that's ahead of us. Even as we look back one year and look, look forward or look ahead uh, five years, it's going to be the work that Christians put in Mm -hmm. to say, I want to live what I believe. It's not enough for me to just, you know, try to 
hide these areas. I want full exploration, the Holy Spirit. I want to search every area of my life and I want the Lord to be Lord of every area of my life, including the way I see children. So that's my, that's, that's my conviction. That's my thought about looking back a year of, of post row and this culture of death that we still exist in. How do we move forward? But what are your thoughts? Let me hear from you. 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go? All right, let's go to Deborah in Texas. Hi, Deborah. Hello. Hi, Vicky Will. Hello. Oh, I adore you guys. Oh, God bless you. Today for all day. Uh, but anyway, those, man, you, know, you guys got me fired up now because this whole issue is unbelievably, a, 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 it's a coup from Satan himself, you know, to keep women from learning submission through the love of having a baby. The Lord told me to have a baby. I'm 39 years old. You know, I had four to three kids already, and I lost the fourth one um, five months in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was he was dead in my womb for a week before they could deliver him. So, you know, I got a lot of revelation then, you know. Mm-hmm. And I could have had some terrible postpartum, um, which that other lady referred to earlier is afraid to have another child. But it's a whole thing. It's about the mission. So if you go through it with the knowledge that the Lord's going to teach you something, like you were saying just before you opened my, my call, um, about submission. And it's like when you have a baby, you know, you're nursing the baby and you have to get up. You, you just you say, I, I'm the only one that can do this. Yeah, and right. so it's like Stormy Daniels brought it out. Years ago, um, I was listening to her, and she was talking about submission. Do you remember that? Um, do you, uh, anyway, you do you mean yeah. um, um, I think it's Omar Armardian? I think is the last name. I think you I think you confused. I know what I know oh, what you're Tony talking Martin. about. Yeah, so yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I'm like, no, I don't think. Daniels, oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. Deborah, oh, God bless you, you, sister. Listen, God bless you, sister. I understand what you're saying. You're fine. I just I I, I think it's the woman, but I couldn't. I was drawn a blank on her name. I know it's uh, I think it's Omartin. <laughs> Um, but the power of a praying wife, uh, you know, praying for her husband, I think she's got a series of books on this. And so I assume that that's what our sister's talking about. And based on her response, I'm right. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, when you've got a lot of headlines that are out there and a lot of names that can yes. be. Um, anyway, God bless you, sister. Hey, listen, listen, I understand. OK, I understand. <laughs> so you're good. You're good here. Let's go back to the phone lines. Will the great. Where do we go? Uh, Scott, in Mississippi. Hi, Scott. Hey, hey, team. How y'all doing today? All right. Oh, God bless you. Great. I just wanted to say, you know, how can how can a nation be so arrogant as to think that it can actually give the right of life to a child mm. unborn in the womb? And not only they can, all they can do is affirm what God has already given. Mm. And Amen. if it wasn't given to all of us, where would any of us be? We none of us would be here. Mm. And you know, the curse the curse of the of the of the sin. Uh, the connection between sin and death didn't make it past the first family. Oh my and goodness! Yes, we we. I mean, it was a family matter, and if they had raised their children up in the admonition 
of the nurture and admonition of the Lord, then I don't think Cain would have had that made that same decision. Uh, but they had, uh, you know, had the shame and the guilt built into their parenting, uh, at, and it, it bore out in a very tragic sort of way. Hmm. And uh, I just, I just don't know, you know, how we can. Uh, oh, the other thing I was going to say was the two of the greatest rebukes of Jesus to his very disciples, to his very followers, those who were with him day in, day out, were when uh, the mother of James and John came and asked him who would be the, who would get to sit on your right and your left side, and he put her in her place and put them. He, he also put family in the right perspective, but then he also, when the children came and bombarded Jesus with their innocence and their love, and his disciples were trying to shoo them away, and he mm. said, such is the kingdom of heaven for these. Mm. and let the little children come unto me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how it could get much clearer than that. You folks are the bomb when it comes to inspiration for families, and I really pray every day for y'all to keep up the good work to uh, keep rekindling the flame that fires within you, okay? Oh, Thank God you. bless Thank you, you, brother. Yeah. Listen, I, I just, you know, it's amazing. Our brother brought in like three examples at one time, and I was thinking in each of those <laughs> examples, Jesus upset the um what would be culturally normative thought mm-hmm. on in in each of those examples like who gets to have a position of power who's his family and what's the value and worth of children like in each of those illustrations Jesus presented the eternal view of positions of power or who gets to sit where right what it is to be a leader that it is also a servant who is a member of his family, right? And also the value of children. And the thing that stands out to me the most, and I think is so important, so instructive, and our brother said a mouthful, is that when you read God's word, you see that the word of God runs counter to the culture at large. Yeah. That that we stand outside of the what is culturally normative. And unfortunately, and this is where I think we have the most difficult time for Bible faithful Christians, okay, maybe there's a better way to say that. But for those of us who are adhering to the scriptures, it's uncomfortable when we find ourselves standing out even against a church culture, Mm. that a a church culture that has normalized a way of being. And we say, but wait a minute, the Bible actually says this. Look, I had to wrestle with having three children. I'm pro-life and I work in a pro-family activist organization. But at the same time, I'm like, "Mm, I may just want one or two kids. Okay. Three. All right, God. Okay. Well, that's it. (laughs) So then what happens with baby number four? Then the Lord has to convict my heart that who, who is the giver of life? Do you understand what I'm saying? And when we are increasingly able to acknowledge those things and to say, Oh Lord, you know, I, I want to be my own master. I, I want to design my family. I want to, I want to talk about what's manageable for me. And, and I, I, you know, I just want you to bless it. I don't, I don't want you to have any say over it. Just mm. tell me good. Yeah. Go forward. What I'm saying is that when we wrestle with those things and then we fall back on the side of God's word and we acknowledge that God is Lord and then we live like it, we affect the culture that we exist in. Let's go and get one more call in. Will the great, where are we going? Let's go to Karen in Michigan. Hi, Karen. Hey, hi. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you first for your words of blessing every day. Um, it's oh, amazing. Um, I'm a homeschool mom um, in Michigan. We have a large Christian community here, and I just wanted to say how shocking it is a lot of times when I have 
people come up to me who know that I homeschool and they say, oh my goodness, I don't know how you do that because I could never put up with my kids all day. Yes. Well, I homeschool because I want to have my kids home all day and I love seeing my kids all day and I just, I find mm. it shocking um, how often I hear that. So oh, Karen. Make that comment. Thank you so Thank much you, for that, Karen. Listen, okay, so now here you are in Michigan, right? And I bet there's so many moms who just heard your comments who happen to be homeschooling moms and they go, I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard, oh, I could not be around my kids all day. <laughs> this is another one of those great examples of the point that I'm trying to make. So even among those who are having kids, there is this feeling of like, oh, until we can just get them out. We just kind of bear... But the Lord wants to return to us the joy that is being a part of our kids' lives. All right, we're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.